This is AgriPulse Drive Time brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers and its national grassroots campaign, I Make America. While approaching the deadline to share this edition of AgriPulse Drive Time, prospects did not look good for an agreement between Canada and the United States in an effort to revamp NAFTA. The Toronto Star reported today that President Trump had said privately that he would not make compromises with Canada. Of course, it could be said the remarks were old news as the newspaper obtained the president's comments from an interview he gave Bloomberg yesterday. However, in comments to media today, Canada's Krista Freeland said Canada was looking for a good deal, not just any deal. With regard to the significance of Canada and Mexico as trading partners, Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue told an Ag Roundtable crowd yesterday in Iowa that he hoped the U.S. location and infrastructure would soon help preserve U.S. market share to both nations. I was in the Yucatan Peninsula of, uh, of Mexico just last year, and you had a ship going straight down from the Gulf, you know, right, and to come out of the water, drained out of the waterway from probably Iowa, Minnesota, up here in the uh, upper Midwest and go straight down there. So it's a great logistical thing. That's why I'm not overly concerned about our markets dissipating in in this region for too long. The logistical advantages are just too great in North America. I like to say you know, we, we live in the best neighborhood on the planet, Mexico and U.S. and Canada. Brian Keel spoke with AgriPulse's Spencer Chase after their trade rally yesterday at the Farm Progress Show. The group wants fair trade and would much prefer trade over financial aid. Keel says the group is concerned about a short-term loss of markets, but even more fearful of a global supply paradigm shift if a trade war with China is extended. Brazil is plowing under new ground to become soybean acreage. They see an opportunity. Uh, we're not a reliable trading partner at this point. So China, China who needs soybeans to feed their livestock industry, they are got to get those soybeans somewhere. And if they f- fear that the U.S. is going to be disrupting, they're going to buy soybeans from Brazil. Same thing in China. China provinces are doubling soybean acreage. That's going to have a long-term impact on soybean prices and our ability to sell product into that country. So these trade disputes have real impacts, and they're having impacts today. All eyes will be on Washington next week to see if acting EPA Administrator Wheeler and Ag Secretary Purdue can forge a deal to allow year-round sales of E15 gasoline. Iowa Congressman Steve King wants the ruling but isn't sure it'll happen. Uh, the president's wanted this for some time, and he has said months ago he didn't see any reason not to go to E15. I'd say put a little asterisk, and when I say this, I can see some reasons not to go because I want to go beyond it. I don't want to see an E15 blend wall like we had an E10 blend wall, so I don't want to say E15 is our goal. I want to say that let's eliminate uh, the requirement for the RVP waiver, and from a logical standpoint, the E10 has the highest evaporation coefficient, and when you go above that, it evaporates less, not more. So the more ethanol we put in gas, the less it evaporates, which means there's no rational reason and no scientific reason to require a waiver. We should be able to sell E15, E20, E30, and E85 without waivers. Year-round demand for higher ethanol blends would increase demand for U.S. corn, but Alan Brugler of Brugler Marketing says there are variables as to how much the ruling would actually help corn prices. Yeah, I think the market pays attention to it. Of course, you've got to go through the regulatory process to get it approved, and that that makes a difference. Are you talking about six months of use or nine months of use? And, of course, uh, we don't have E15 capability at all the stations that can sell E10. I mean, the easy answer would be, hey, we get a 50% increase in sales, right? But that's not going to happen because we just don't have enough distribution infrastructure. Is it worth a couple hundred million bushels of corn? For sure, assuming that 
happens on a fairly quick timeline. And that'll help us because we're already going to be a little tighter on the supply and demand this year, even though the yield's pretty good. We're going to see the world stocks tighten up and the U.S. stocks tighten up. Certainly, the ag industry will keep an eye on the first full meeting of the conference committee on the Farm Bill next week, the first session likely to include more politics than persuasion, although Senate Ag Chairman Pat Roberts said he'd offer a proposal if it was available. The AgriPulse staff will closely watch and report developments from the conference leadership on the matter. Well, AgriPulse Drive Time is brought to you by AEM, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, and its national grassroots campaign, I Make America. Here's Spencer Chase. We're joined today by John Lagerman with John Deere. And John, a lot of folks very interested in farm bill deliberations and really farm policy as a whole. But as a farm equipment company, why are farm bill deliberations important? So I think from a producer perspective, they have so many variables to manage. I think a farm bill can really help them on a, on a risk protection perspective. And the more they know about their risk protection alternatives, the better they can plan. And planning is extremely important when you manage as many variables as they have to manage. Thanks for listening to this week's Drive Time Reports. And don't forget, AgriPulse Daybreak returns next week. Have a great Labor Day weekend. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.